Hey, you're listening to Eyewitness Matrimony. Hello. Hi. Ring, ring. Banana phone. I don't know why I made a telephone noise. <laughs> um. Hey, welcome to your podcast. Hi. Yep, we're back. Remem- remember it? You thought we were gone, <laughs> but we're not. We didn't go anywhere. No, we stayed here. We're here to stay. <laughs> this is Eyewitness Matrimony. The podcast that uh, that tells you everything you didn't know you wanted to know about weddings. Hosted by me, Jenna Barrington, and you, Beyonce. Oh, just kidding. Simone. I'm Simone. Don't get my hopes up. <laughs> the next best person, Simone Howard Douglas. <laughs> yeah. I'll introduce you if you can't do it yourself. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm having an identity crisis, so... Aren't we all? Don't we all think we're Beyonce? Yeah, that's what 30 is. Or Lizzo, one of the two. I can't decide who I am. Depends on the day. Yeah, that's fair. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Good. Yeah, busy. Oh, I know. And we're about to get even busier because it is is becoming wedding season. Mm -hmm. And I've been seeing tons of articles that I cannot wait to dissect with you. Yep, the weather's turning beautiful and the couples are turning married and yep that means get to work (laughs) yeah we're gonna open this up like those weird frogs in biology class in high school (laughs) give them a poke smells like formaldehyde (laughs) give them a poke (laughs) um okay so i have something i want to share with you um a little correct and reflect if you will Oh, my favorite. Yeah. So I was doing some deep Instagram diving after our pilot episode aired, and we got to talk about our mood board weddings, Mm -hmm. and I was um, obsessively stalking Paolo Sebastian, looking at all his beautiful dresses. Oh, my God. No, I know what you're about to say. And And unfortunately, (laughs) well, (laughs) unfortunate for us, but fortunate for him, Paolo Sebastian is not a human that is a brand not person. Yeah. That's a brand, mm-hmm. not a designer. <laughs> so we're very sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's actually uh, spearheaded by a designer named Paul Vasilev, who's from Australia. And I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but I'm not from Australia. So sorry, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, Paul, we're very sorry. You're doing a great job. <laughs> you design beautiful things. Keep up the good work. We're sorry. Yeah, I feel pretty, pretty stupid about that one because, I mean, I'm the one who picked out that dress and I'm just like going on about how great this guy, Paul Sebastian, is. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's a tricky one. It's not like Chanel. No, yeah, I stand by that pretty much because most designers, when it's like two names like that, it is the name of the designer like vera wang yeah or well i don't want to say anymore because other people (laughs) (laughs) i don't you know i don't want to get into it because there's a lot of first name last name type designers like tom ford i was just gonna say tom ford michael kors and (laughs) tommy hilfiger is he still a thing lauren conrad i don't know (laughs) No, I'm really glad you did that correct and reflect, and um, we can all reflect on the fact that we are not uh, fashion savvy, I would say. Correct. So, yes. If that's why you came here, ugh. Keep it moving, because I know nothing about all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, you came to the wrong, the wrong place. That's not, not the material we have for you here. So what else is up? What have you been up to? You know, recently, I rewatched a film 
from my childhood that I absolutely adored as a kid. You may have heard of it. It is called Father of the Bride. Not the original 1950s version, but the 1991 gem with Steve Martin, Diane Keaton, Martin Short. All the best people. Um, Kimberly Williams Paisley before she was Paisley. And I loved this movie. I can't tell you how many times I watched it as a kid. And when I, when I rewatched it, I had some thoughts and feelings. And unfortunately, I found that every single wedding cliche that could possibly exist is in this movie. And it, and it made me like it just a tiny bit less. <sighs> Please don't say what you're about to say. I have never seen don't it. Don't do it. I know. Oh, I'm no. so oh. sorry. That's probably, I just probably discredited my entire life. Yeah, I'm going to need to find, I, actually, I'm calling up Beyonce. I need a new co-host for this because. <laughs> I'm sure Beyonce's seen Father of the Bride. <laughs> I promise to watch it. Actually, I don't even think you need to because in this episode, we'll be talking about some different traditions this is just basically going to be a recap of that movie because all of these things are probably somehow reflected in this movie. You, you should be good. Perfect. Yeah, so save your time and your money because you have to buy it. Well, you have to buy it? You can't even rent it anymore? Well, I'm sure. I guess you could probably rent it. But I doubt it. Yeah, there's not like a streaming platform that has it currently. Got it. Got it. So, yeah. So, in this episode, we're going to be digging into the history of some ceremonial traditions and trends uh, to find out what they mean and if um, it's time to shove them into the basement with the old trousseaus and Father of the Bride VHSs, which is absolutely what I watched them on. So, you know, we want this kind of background to serve as a little educational foundation for us and for you, the listeners, so that we can all kind of go forward and know why things are happening at weddings and is there mm -hmm. significance to them and is that significance still prominent? Um, you know, their origins, their meaning and how popular these traditions are. Yeah, don't knock it until you understand it and then possibly knock it afterwards. It, yeah, more than likely. So we did some homework, and uh, a lot of these traditions are from the White House Book of Etiquette, which was advised in 1903, Dunbar's Book of Etiquette from 1834, and the Ladies' Book of Etiquette and Manual of Politeness from 1872. How to be a lady in the 1880s. That's right, bitches. We did some, <laughs> we did some research. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get into it. All right. Well, first of all, bridal bouquets, all the lovely flowers that we hold, um, they were basically deodorant. For one thing, it, it started kind of back when people weren't bathing as frequently as we bathe today. So they would hold, you know, flowers to kind of mask the, the odor. Mm. And then they would also put in things like dill and different herbs as well, for different reasons, like dill was said to be an aphrodisiac and garlic was to ward off evil spirits. And also, I mean, obviously body odor, which seems kind of funny to me because those two things kind of smell alike. Yeah. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> garlic I'm, or yeah. probably body odor. Can you imagine just like rubbing a, a bulb of garlic on you before your wedding today? <laughs> no, it makes me, it reminds me of like learning in history class about the Romans when they would bathe in oil and then just like credit cards scrape the oil off of them. And that's how people Ugh. bathed. Yuck. No, I hate it. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I would think I would rather just take like a mud bath. Yeah. Well, I've been to the Roman baths in England. And let me tell you, that water is 
It's not clean. Ew. Um, so apparently, back in the, the old days, only some brides could wear a veil. And according to tradition, brides who weren't too old were the only ones who were eligible for the privilege of veil wearing. What is that, like 13? Probably, yeah, seven and a half. I... <laughs> Can you drink out of a normal cup and not a sippy cup? Cool, you can wear a veil. <laughs> Dunbar's Complete Handbook of Etiquette, published in 1834, lays out very clearly uh, the instructions for brides who basically knew what was good for them, that widows and ladies of middle age are to be married in bonnets. You heartlets. Oh, just the word bonnet. That to me, like a bonnet, if you said, if I looked up bonnet in the dictionary, I would expect to see like a spinster, you mm-hmm. know, like those two, th- those two words just kind of go together in my head, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And actually the veil is the oldest part of the bridal outfit um, because brides were, you know, they were wrapped head to toe and presented as some sort of like package basically that represented uh, the modest and untouched maiden, and it dates back wow. into the ancient Greek and Roman days, um, in which they believed that a veil protected her from evil spirits. Wow, some witchy stuff. Yeah, so if you're old, they basically said, fuck you, <laughs> here's a poltergeist, but the rest of you were fine. That almost kind of sounds like they were only worried about the young, fair maidens. Exactly, yeah. You know, that's who the evil spirits wanted. They're like, oh, those Us old hags. old hags. No. Yeah, anyone over 16, kick rocks. Nobody's trying to steal you. <laughs> <laughs> and you smell like garlic. I learned that um, matching bridesmaids meant good luck. And this tradition of matching bridesmaids uh, dates back to the Roman times when people believed evil spirits would attend the wedding in an attempt to curse the bride and groom. Mm. So bridesmaids were required to dress exactly like the bride in order to confuse the spirits and bring good luck to the marriage. They were really afraid, not only of evil spirits, but also like they were so afraid of being kidnapped, it seems like. Yeah. Why Was that really happening? Yeah, I don't know. The other reason I learned was um, because it would confuse other suitors or past lovers. So they didn't know which one the real bride was. <laughs> which I kind okay. of love. <laughs> duck, duck, goose. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I guess if they're all wearing veils, maybe I could see that. But otherwise... If you're a past lover or a suitor and you don't know which which fair maiden has your interest, maybe pass on this one, you know? Yeah. Um, let's see. Number four here. Newlyweds used to be forced to kiss over the cake. So they were supposed to kiss over a pile of spiced buns. Ooh. Arriba. And if they could kiss, <laughs> it would uh it would be a an omen of good fortune. But apparently this influenced like that tall tiered wedding cake trend that we now see a lot of today. And the tradition of wedding cake comes from ancient Rome because that's where apparently the world comes from. Yeah. uh, Where guests broke a loaf of bread over the bride's head for fertility's sake. I'm going to have to disagree with that. I I don't see the connection between stale, crusty bread in my hair and my ability to carry a million kids. But, you know. It was the Romans. Maybe it was like so. as an, yeah, just as an offering for the gods. But yeah, I agree. I don't know what pigeons and bread and all that <laughs> has to do with 
babies, but what do we know? When in Rome. <laughs> um. Well, number five is grooms would carry their brides over the threshold, which, I mean, I feel like this might still happen sometimes. I'm not super clear on, on if this is still happening or not, but uh, medieval Europeans used to believe that the soles of the new bride's feet were extremely susceptible to letting evil spirits seep in. So the groom would scoop up his new wife into his arms when uh, first entering their home. But also, um, apparently it was considered unladylike to want to leave your father's house. So, because you know, you were 13 at that time. Yeah. And um, so picking the bride up was also a form of forcing her over the threshold of her new home. Yeah, because that's how you want to start a marriage. (laughs) Who doesn't? I'm just really uncomfortable with all of that. I'm really hoping that the reasons these became a thing are now the reasons why they're no longer a thing. Yeah, let's hope so. There seems to be a lot of, like, a trend of that evil spirit kind of thing. Mm. Like, women are clearly... We're the eaves, for sure. Yes. And there's so much to do with, like, luck. Like, good luck, good fortune, good fertility, apparently. Good baby-making skills. Yeah. Interesting. Number six, weddings could only be held on weekdays in June. This is crazy to me. Very So there was an old saying that Mondays are for wealth, Tuesdays are for health, and Saturday, no luck at all. Oh. Fuck Saturday. Which is crazy now because everybody pretty much gets married on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, Mondays Mondays and Tuesdays are no go for me. Yeah, those those are my chill days. Yeah. I can't I can't be doing that. Um, but I guess it's because the Roman goddess Juno, who, you know, she rules over marriage and childbirth, hence, you know, the popularity of getting married in June. Mm. Coming back to that childbirth thing. And the Romans. Nothing to do with the weather. Yeah. Just babies. Very, very interesting. Okay. All right. Well, something borrowed meant another woman's undergarments. The something borrowed part was meant to enhance the bride's fertility, meaning she would wear undergarments belonging to other women who had already been pregnant in order to increase her own likelihood of childbearing. So basically, like, let me wear your seasoned underpants. Trigger warning, puke noises. (laughs) It's a hard no for me. If it's between that and having a baby, no thanks. I would have to agree with you. That's fine. The saying was also, so it's something old, something new, but it originally ended in a sixpence in her shoe, and the bride's father would give her a coin to put in her shoe to symbolize good health and fortune. You know. Mm, there you go. See? There you go. Help her out any way you can, Lady Luck. They're all about it. Um, so brides uh, used to wear non-white dresses, Whoop. Uh, which we obviously know isn't the case anymore, except if you're Jenna, <laughs> because now brides wear every dress color of the rainbow or even suits and the white dress trend was believed to have been started by queen victoria and i actually have a picture to show you here of queen vic get it girl queen vicky i like to call her oh vicky and prince albert and she wore a white dress and that kind of you know ignited this trend of the light that's really interesting because i guess i i really did think that the white wedding dress trend had to do with like the purity thing i thought so too i think we just developed that from yeah it's kind of beginning Hmm. i think someone came up with that to justify it she went against the grain and i approve as someone who would want to wear a black wedding dress. They used to just wear like their best evening mm. dress or whatever. Yeah. 
So going back to weddings in June mm-hmm. that could not be held on Saturdays. So weddings could only be held at noon, hmm. interestingly enough. I wonder what that was about. Noon on Just a Monday? High, high time. Yeah, noon on a Monday. Ugh, too late for brunch, too early for lunch. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, the bride's father was responsible for paying for the wedding, which that is a trend. If that's still happening, just give it up already. Get a life. Pay for your own goddamn wedding. Um, and then rings could only have diamonds. That was it. Huh. Pearls were considered bad luck. Interesting. Okay. And I love a wedding ring with pearls. Yeah. Clearly, I, I, I'm, I... You're bad luck. If they heard about all the things that I, I would absolutely be the worst luck. You're an evil spirit. <laughs> yes. And I you. love it. <laughs> it's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> I'm kind of about the whole, like, unconventional stones for a... Um, what am I thinking? Like an engagement ring or a wedding ring? I just saw yeah. like the prettiest asymmetrical ring in the center stone was like this big light blue sapphire. Oh, it was so pretty. Yeah. So I'm really about that. Me too. I agree. My my dream ring would be like a black and white, like salt and pepper diamond thing, Ooh. I think. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Very Cruella of you. Well, that's my middle name. <laughs> Um, let's see. It's another honorable mention. So the garter and the bouquet toss. This began during the Dark Ages, which is that like where it should have stayed medieval times (laughs) (laughs) when guests would follow the couple to the marital bed and then tear at their clothing as a show of like like fluffers like encouragement oh no and having a piece of the wedding dress or the suit was considered good luck and the bride would like toss the bouquet in the garters which obviously hold up like used to hold up her stockings to appease the crowd and like hasten their retreat ew i can just picture someone like twirling a (laughs) pantyhose in it i hate it i hate it Oh, and I can just, I mean, all I, again, I know I keep going back to this, but all I can smell is garlic and I don't like any of that. <laughs> Nobody wants my garlic pantyhose. Nobody. Or dill. Mm-mm. No. No. Hard yeah. pass from me on, on dill scented undergarments. Another claim is that the bride would uh, toss the bouquet to divert attention when they were heading to, you know, consummate the marriage. And the groom would uh, toss the garter out a window to show proof that he did it he did no he did what he was supposed to do oh just throw the yeah just throw the garter out i think i got the picture (laughs) yeah it's pretty bad uh so the first look traditionally this took place so that the groom couldn't back out of the wedding if he didn't find the bride acceptable damn can you imagine yeah that's hard like going through all that and then you go to look at each other and he's like you know what nah yeah. That's fucked up. It really is. It really, really is. Whatever. Marriage is stupid. Just kidding. Wedding <laughs> rings used to be, well, you know, they're obviously typically worn on the fourth finger on your left hand because it was once believed that it had a vein that led straight to your heart. Mm. But turns out that's not true. Oh. And wedding rings <laughs> used to be only one-sided, so the groom wouldn't, or, you know, the husband wouldn't have to wear when it was just the bride. And a ring was given by uh, the man as collateral to the bride's father. 
So she got to wear it and, you know, that was her collateral. So really nothing Ooh. to do with the circle going on and on forever, blah, blah, blah. There's no vein in your Eternal finger that leads to your heart. love that goes on for... Circles and circles. Yeah, no. So it was basically like what we do to cows when we exactly. put the thing in their ear. That's what it right. Okay. <laughs> when we tag them. <laughs> yeah. That's what they were yep. doing. They were like, okay, this one is, is his. <laughs> Ew. Uh, well, kind of along that same line, the father walking down the aisle with the bride, um, this was basically part, it was kind of back in the transactional days, kind of like the ring thing. Um, and giving away the bride was basically just a transfer of ownership, which is why the father would walk her down the aisle because it was his way of being like, I'm giving you this piece of property for your own enjoyment. I love to be owned. Mm. Mm. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> and you can't back out because you've already seen her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last but not least, the best man literally meant like the best man, the best man to either kidnap the bride or to fight off angry family members or to like be her bodyguard and make sure she didn't run away and pull like a Julia Roberts and book it the fuck out of there. Whoa. So you had better pick your most athletic friend. Wow. I'm trying to yeah. think if my husband has any friends that would have made a great best man. And I'm pretty sure I could take all of them. Yeah, Agreed. So. Yeah, I couldn't take my husband. He'd have to be his own best man. But all his friends, not worried about it. Now you know why I go for a skinnier guy. <laughs> I can take you. <laughs> So I agree with you what you said earlier about there being kind of a common theme with the good luck, bad luck, fertility, evil mm -hmm. spirits, all of the, the kind of witchy vibes. What do you what do you think about all of that? Um, well, the witch in me. You know what? Here's a better question. If people knew the background to some of the traditions that we still have today, do you think that they would still do them? No. That is a good question. I think people just have this like preconception about what a wedding is supposed to be like and they just do things without questioning them. Does that make sense? Did I say that correctly? Yeah, definitely. Me watching Father of the Bride is a really good example of that because as a young kid, I, I mean very young, I remember thinking that that's what a wedding should be. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, I see that as being very problematic because yeah, I, I wouldn't have known why I thought that. You know, or like in Steel Magnolias, you know, where she just has like pink everything or and the, the big reception and the dancing and the groom's cake. And like, you know, you as a kid, when you see that stuff, you think, well, that's what I want. Yeah. But you don't really know why anybody's doing that stuff. I think it's it's good to kind of encourage people to do their research before they start planning a mm -hmm. wedding. You know, don't just don't just like go with the flow. Only dead fish go with the flow. Oh. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah I like thanks. it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, how uncomfortable is it that basically all of these traditions have to do with, you know, getting pregnant right away? Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of that at all. I actually read that um, you know how you know how typically people will save the top tier of their wedding cake and eat it on their one year anniversary? I read that the original tradition was to hold on to the top tier of your wedding cake so that you basically had something to celebrate with when you found out you were pregnant. So it wasn't even the first anniversary thing. It was 
when you find out you're pregnant, which will inevitably happen very quickly after you get married, you already have a dessert to celebrate it with. And to that, I say no thank you. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Definitely. Not for definitely. me. I, I really just, I mean, if this isn't the most anti-feminist propaganda bullshit you've ever heard, just this entire thing was basically about how women were property mm -hmm. and their only purpose was like, as soon as this is over and I own you, you need to get pregnant. Yeah. So, yeah, not, not a fan. I'm not so fan. glad we're past that. Me too. Well, we uh, wanted to go through 10 kind of more modern day traditions from around the United States. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Well, yeah, me 10. too. I didn't there. A lot of these like most of these I didn't know. Um, and I, I, I think these are more fun. These are the type of things that I would say, do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Don't don't do all the Roman, whatever medieval crap, like do this stuff. This is a lot more fun. And it's a lot more, I don't know special it seems like like get rid of the garter toss that's just so weird yeah. and nobody wants to watch your groom do some like awkward strip tease mm -hmm. and go under your dress in front of grandma no it's really gross i just it's not very tasteful no it's very it's very uncomfortable for your guests i would love to meet the person who's like i love watching the garter toss <laughs> what the fuck's Let's wrong with you on the podcast are you that person? We're accepting auditions. Come co-host with us. Actually, yes. If you are someone who enjoys the garter toss, we would love to interview you. Call us at... <laughs> Call us at 1-800-GET-A-LIFE. <laughs> that's just not... No. Get rid of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so let's go to New York. Okay. Um, and actually New Do we Jersey. Have to? Well, okay. Yeah. All right. If we must. We, ha we, ha we have to. Okay. Not so much... Jersey, but you know, let's stay on the New York side of the river. Um, tradition number one, a Viennese hour. Ooh. So stemming from Italian tradition, a Viennese or a Venetian hour is usually served after dinner and cake. And the tradition includes a massive assortment of desserts that guests can basically just help themselves to like pies, cookies, brownies, cheesecake, pastries, chocolate-covered fruit, ice cream, candy, coffee, and every other sweet you can think of. And sometimes um, they have other fancier desserts like Bananas Foster or custom Sunday bars. Basically, all the good things that love and heaven are made of. Yes, I'm there. I'm going back. No questions asked. That is that is what I want every day to be, a Viennese hour. I want 24 Viennese hours. Yes. <laughs> Please. Is Viennese a place? Because I'll Perfect. live there. <laughs> That's, I feel like that's better than an hors d'oeuvre situation. I'll take that all day, every day. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's go on down to the Midwest and the South and talk about... Nah. I mean, I would agree I've with you. I've been to the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> and I live in the South and uh, we can tell you... No. Um, well, let's talk about a pounding party. What? Yep. No. <laughs> you heard me right. No, I said I wasn't going. <laughs> I meant you want to go back to Viennese. <laughs> I want to go back to New Jersey. <laughs> well, derived from Quaker tradition, a pounding party is similar to a housewarming party, except that the soon to be weds or newlyweds are given flour, sugar, butter and other pantry stocking goods by the pound. Okay. Other items can be given to like cleaning supplies and handmade items for their new home. 
So kind of like a bridal. Okay. Like a bridal shower almost. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I like the concept. I think it needs to be renamed just because I am immature. <laughs> yeah, like a bridal pounding. Hey, everybody, let's go pound the bride. I would have to agree. I don't like the name of this. It doesn't really tell you what's happening. But I like the concept. Like, here are the let's staples. Let's just rename it a Viennese hour and do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and then bring the cakes and the cookies. and Yeah. Although with all your flour, sugar, and butter, you can make a cake. So there you go. A Viennese uh, so pounding this one, party. <laughs> I hate the word pounding. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan either. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. So this one's not state or city specific. Um, it's basically just all college football towns. Game days. I hate okay. it already. Yeah, me too. I don't even want you to finish. <laughs> mm, that's all you need to know. Move on. Yep. For states where college football reigns supreme during the fall, it's tradition to never set your wedding date on certain Saturdays. So um, it might sound laughable to some, a.k.a. Jenna and Simone. Uh, yeah. Lots of couples in football fanatic towns consult the home team's schedule before they set their date or they zero in on a, uh, a week that like the team has, you know, a bye week, no games. Uh, otherwise, they know that hotel blocks will be impossible to get for their guests and people will be sneaking peeks at their phone and the bar TV throughout the reception. Then don't invite those people. I hate every part of it. Yeah, I do too. I have lived and kind of still do, but a different college town that I lived in for a little while that was very, very big football town, but kind of small. And I did used to consult the um, home team schedule thing. But I'll tell you why. It's because I would specifically plan to go to the grocery store during those times. Oh, clever. Yes. So in a way, I understand the plight of these brides. <laughs> however. <laughs> however, I just, look, I love football, but I just think it's so stupid that you can't have your wedding in the fall during football season because it's football season. Like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Unless your dad is like the head coach of, I, I don't know, Alabama, I guess. It's just then, so dumb. Sorry. Sorry. It's dumb. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And you know what you can actually probably do is just be like, just have your reception at a sports bar. Yeah. There you go. The TVs are already on. Everybody can drink. If this is, if this is something that your, your wedding party needs to revolve around, then make the most out of it is what I say. Yeah. There you go. Well, we're going to stay in the South for this one because I kind of want to believe that that college town one is probably mostly a problem in the South. Maybe not, but I feel like it probably is. Yeah. So from the South, uh, bearing the bourbon, which I really enjoy this one. Couples uh, would bury a bottle of bourbon at their ceremony venue precisely one month before the wedding date so it wouldn't rain on their day. And then on the day of, and this, of course, is very important, you're supposed to dig it up and enjoy with your wedding party during the reception. Oh, okay. Yeah. What happens if it rains on that day? Well, I'm not sure because I thought that was good luck. So, like, make up your mind. Is it good luck to rain? Is, Is it, it a double negative? I don't know. Do I mean, cancel, cancel each, each other, other out? out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either way, there's bourbon involved, and I'm for it. But... All I can picture is this venue where a bunch of people have gone out and buried bourbon. So it just looks like there's all these little graves. <laughs> like holes with Shia LaBeouf. Yes. <laughs> little bourbon graves. 
Everybody's singing the Holes theme song covered in mud. I'm tired of dating, Grandpa. <laughs> That's too damn That's too bad. bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just give me the bourbon in a glass. Just bring your own bourbon, hole. for God's sake. And if it rains, consider yourself lucky. It's probably during a drought. I like the sentiment. It just seems excessive. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to uh, my favorite city I've never been to, Nolens. New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans. That's where we're going. <laughs> I am not white. I'm not white. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, the second line parade. Ever heard of it? Let me tell you about it. Can't wait. So, brass band parade. <laughs> <laughs> Nolens. <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't either. I just watched Princess and the Frog today. I thought I had it. No. I mean, it was pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> Where it sounded um, like just one big 25 cent word. That was awesome. <laughs> I follow some TikTokers that are from New Orleans and they like share slang. And mm. my God. Anyway, oh, <clears throat> that Cajun French situation is it is Ooh. very they call it spicy French. <laughs> no. Um okay, so brass band parades in Louisiana have two lines. The first line includes the main members of the band and then the second line includes anyone who wants to join and wave a handkerchief and, you know, hoot and holler. Wait, are they um, playing the instruments? Who's playing the instruments? The band in the first line in the parade. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like Oh, okay. The first line includes the band. The second line includes everybody else. Anyone else. Yep. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So the second line parade is said to signify the start of a new life and has long been a fun way for uh, New Orleans couples to travel from the ceremony to the reception. Oh. Usually the couple will join the band on the first line and then the guests make up the second line. Parading down the street and waving their handkerchiefs and cocktail napkins and colorful parasols, you know, Ooh. doing all the cool French e things. I really like that. I would actually like to see this. If you have a video of this from, you know, today's time, <laughs> I would really like to see this. I will find you one. Oh, you have one? I can get one. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, YouTube. You- YouTube, I'm sure. Well, I need it sent directly to my inbox. Got it. It's yours. Well, we're going to stay in New Orleans for this next one. The cake pull. I don't love it. Never heard of it. it. But let's find out what it means. Cake pulling comes from an old Victorian custom of ribbon pulling. Okay. So back then, brides um, wanted to bestow good luck and fortune. We're back to that good luck and Here fortune. Here we are again. Thing. On their single friends. So they place small charms with different meanings in the wedding cake for them. Um Oh, that's kind of like a king cake with the baby. Yeah, sort of, I guess. New Orleans. You people love your cake filled with choking hazards. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But now Southern brides usually attach the charms to pieces of ribbon that are pulled out by members of their bridal party before cutting the cake. So they eliminated the choking hazards. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Very important. Very important detail. I wonder how how prevalent that tradition is like are people still is this a modern are people still doing that that just seems like a lot of all the know. other details in the wedding like now i gotta worry about my friends too i don't figure it out for yourself yeah i also can't picture this 
I can't picture how you're pulling ribbon out of a cake without the cake falling apart. Yeah, it being a complete mess. And then you've got cake and icing all over your ribbon. And it's, do you yeah. lick it? I don't know. There's too, there's too many variables. Too much. That's a lot. That's a lot. I'm going to need to see a video of that too, please. <laughs> okay. New Orleans, can you please just invite us to a wedding <laughs> so we can see all this? All right, let's head, uh, let's see. If we were in New Orleans, we're going to head northeast a little bit and go to Pennsylvania. We're in Pittsburgh. Hi, welcome to Pittsburgh. Ooh, never been. Um, me either. A cookie table. Oh, I'm going now. Yeah, it's as good as it sounds. It's uh more important, apparently, to have a cookie table at a Pittsburgh reception than it is a wedding cake. Wow. And this originates in southwestern Pennsylvania. Um, and it's said to have some Eastern European, like Italian and Greek kind of influence where immigrants in that region wanted to bring a little bit of their homeland to the U.S. And they made lady locks and pizzelles and other treats uh, for the wedding reception. So the cookies are mostly homemade by the hundreds. Yum. Ooh. By the couple's friends and family. And then guests, you know, look forward to getting to try all these different varieties of cookies. I love that. Yeah. I love a cookie. I would definitely pick a cookie over a cake any day. So I don't discriminate if it has sugar in it. <laughs> I want everything. All of it. I want I want the Venetian hour. V- Viennese. I want yeah. a cookie table. I want a wedding cake. I want it all. I will be having my wedding reception in a bakery. Yeah. In Cafe Du Monde, basically. So there you oh, go. Yes, to all of that. My sister-in-law actually did something like this at when she buried my brother. And they, they had different family members close to them all send recipes. And then before the wedding, we were staying at this like hunting lodge thing. And so we all went into the the huge, you know, commercial kitchen and we made all of these, you know, family recipes. And then they had like a cookie table and you could try all the different recipes. And I think they printed the recipes out so you could like take them with you. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. And that wasn't even in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to take us right back down to the South because that's how much I love it here. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you about a house party. Uh, which sounds way more college and fun than this is. So while honorary bridesmaids can be a controversial topic in the South, especially in Texas. Hey, Texas. what up, Texas? Here we are again with you. Their (laughs) tradition um, is called a house party. And house parties are made up of the bride's friends and family members who don't stand at the altar with the brides, like with the bride and the bridesmaids, but are assigned other wedding duties, like giving a reading during the ceremony, overseeing guests, the, like the guest book, and handing out programs and favors and okay, all of that. So it's so. like honorary bridal party. Like if you had, like, like if you had cousins you were close to and you didn't want them to be in your bridal party, but you wanted them to be included and you needed someone to be your bitch. Yeah, see, that's what I go to. I go to, so you are having your friends and family who you're like, well, I don't want you in my wedding, but... Instead of paying someone to do this, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my house party. Yeah. A house party, like calling, like trying to give it a fun name. I don't know. It just seems. There's nothing to do with houses and nothing to do with partying. So false advertisement. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's stay in the South. We might as fucking well. Um, okay. A groom's cake. I know you've heard of it. Yeah, I have. They are a very popular Southern tradition. Yes. From the Victorian era in oh. England, of course, because Queen Vicky just doing all the things. She knows how to have a Um, She does. She's like, let me show you a trend. Yeah. So basically, grooms, you know, they get to eat their own type of cake. 
when it was usually a fruit cake laced with chocolate and alcohol, which sounds fucking gross. Oh yeah. Um, but it was much lighter than like the typical wedding bride's cake. So today, groom's cakes are still served alongside wedding cake for a nice contrast, uh, and are usually decorated with like the groom's favorite shit, like his hobbies or his favorite food or God forbid his favorite football team. <laughs> Yeah, whatever theme and, you know, flavors and crap that he wants. This is very interesting to me. And, you know, maybe this is another poll we take. I would like to know the groom who is, like, adamant about having a groom's cake. Is there a groom who's like, no, I'm going to need my own groom's cake or I'm not coming? (laughs) Or is this just a weird thing that women have done that's like, oh, my gosh, he will love it if I make him a guitar-shaped cake? You know what I mean? Or a golf club. Yeah, like... Here's a golf club cake. This seems like a very female-driven thing that guys could could not care less about. I want to see some groom's cakes. If you have been to a wedding or if you have a groom <laughs> who you gave a cake, <laughs> please email us because I, I want to see it. If you are a groom who requested a cake, we would love to know why. Poor <laughs> cake. No judgment. I am truly interested as to... What male out there is like, oh, that cake that you ordered that was probably like $3,000, it's not good enough for me. I'm going to need a D&D cake or whatever it is. Would you let your husband have a groom's cake? Um, I would have to say probably no. And if we did, I don't think I would make it into like some ridiculous thing. I would probably just make it like a second cake that had like a totally different flavor palette just to have some variety. Like you did? Yeah, exactly. Like I did. Yes. But I guess the better question would be if I was forced to give him a groom's cake, <laughs> what would I choose for it to be shaped as? And I would have to say I would either do a mountain bike. That's what I was going to suggest. Yeah. Or like a maybe like his favorite bottle of whiskey or a beer, like a, a frosty beer mug type situation. Oh, what about okay. you? I think it's a silly tradition, but I'm not opposed to it if it makes, you know, the groom feel whatever kind of way he's trying to feel. If it's going to make him come, then yeah. Whoa. <laughs> um, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> come to the wedding. Yeah. Sick. My husband would probably want some like ridiculous reptile shaped cake. Oh, yeah. Like a tortoise or a Chameleon. some sort of lizard. Yeah. Yeah. Like a bearded dragon or... That could make for a pretty cool cake. I think... Mm, yep. All that green icing? I guess. So I'd probably let him do it just... I would think I would serve it, though, like, maybe at the rehearsal dinner. Not yeah. the wedding. Oh, that's a good idea. At the rehearsal dinner. Yeah. yeah. So he can idea. have his shining moment then, and then the rest of it, just sit down and shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, well, then our last one, we're going to get the hell out of the South. It's hot here. Goodbye. And we're going to go to Wisconsin, another place I've never mm, been, but I hear wait, they have what? great cheese. Have you been to Wisconsin? No, I want to go back to the South. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to be in Wisconsin. Well, in Wisconsin, they do bar hopping. Um, and some Wisconsinites, yeah, we had to look that up, want to get the party started before the reception. So it's not unusual for the wedding party to go bar hopping after the ceremony while the newlyweds take photos. And some even rent limos and party buses to do so and continue on into the night after the reception's over. Those sound like my kind of people. Wisconsin, we're coming for you. Okay. 
I am there. Cheese and bar hopping? Yep. Just give me a giant wheel of cheese that I can carry around on my party bus. (laughs) (laughs) Just put it in my purse. Oh, it won't fit in my purse. No? They're that big? I mean, I want mine to be that big. That's what she said. Just like a giant wheel of Gouda. Do they have Gouda there or is it just cheddar? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to need to do some more research on Wisconsin. I guess we'll have to go and eat our way through the place. Yeah. Oh, so that's it. Those are the most prominent or interesting traditions that we have come across in our extensive research. I'm basically a doctor now of matrimonial tradition. Yes, and I feel like we traveled the world. We did. It was fun. I learned a lot. I ate a lot of... Yep. Figurative food. (laughs) There are places I can't wait to go, and there are places I can't wait to never go to. (laughs) So I learned a lot. I learned a lot in this one. Yeah. So what is a regional or cultural tradition, U.S. tradition, um, that you made part of your wedding? And you can share your stories, pictures, why it was important to you, or if you wish you hadn't done it. Um, And I can tell you right now, I'm already regretting letting my husband have a groom's cake. And he doesn't even know what that is. So, (laughs) Yeah, same same thing. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, tell us something that you did or had at your wedding that went completely against the traditional norm. Mm. Like, were you wearing a beautiful ivory pantsuit? Oh, yes. Or a black wedding dress with a cape? Yep. We want to see pictures. Yeah. Rebels at heart, we are. Yeah. And so share with us. Email us. Um, we want to know the most rebellious thing you did at your wedding. Yeah. Tell us your stories. Okay, Simone, here's a joke for you. Okay. What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? I don't know. Supplies. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I thought I was going to have something to do with the broom. N- like... Broom, broom, broom. <laughs> broom, broom, broom. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, like, I like supplies better. Supplies. Well, this was great fun, as always. I can't wait to chat with you next time. And I can't wait to learn what we learn. Hear what we learn. See what we learn. T- to do the learning. Can't wait for us to learn. And that's it. That's it. Have an unforgettable wedding guest story or would like for us to critique a wedding? Follow and message us on Instagram at eyewitnessmatrimony, on Twitter at eyewitnessmat, or send us an email at eyewitnessmatrimony at gmail.com. Don't worry, we'll consider you a confidential informant so the newlyweds will never know.